Hey, Sandy. Hey, Nora. How you doing? Mm, I'm good. You know, like, it is the summertime. I'm about to go on this big road trip across America. And my mm. hair is purple. So I, oh. you know, all of these things make me feel really good. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Purple for the end of summer. Well, the summertime vibes that we were putting out last week, I think, really, really hit some people. Mm-hmm. It is, like, so great that we have picture number four of the two of us and, you know, <laughs> putting out those summertime vibes as we were in Toronto in really hot weather. It was great. Yeah, but there were a lot of people who've responded to the last episode, and so I think that if you did listen to the last episode, first, if you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. And if you have listened to the last episode, I hope you're thinking about ways in which you can agitate for more time off, whether or not that's you're active in a union or in some sort of social movement or a political party. That was a popular episode. People really, really responded to it. And I think if you're listening and you're a politician, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'll even give it to the liberals. If you're a liberal and you're listening to this, like, take our ideas. (laughs) The NDP better take our ideas, but... (laughs) Mm -hmm. And speaking of time off... We are, for for the month of August, going to take a little time off of our own. Yeah. So at the end of summer coming, uh, Nora and I are both going to be uh, doing some traveling and stuff. So we're going to take a month break. But don't you worry, we will be back in September. But before that, we've got one last show for you right now, where we are going to be discussing a little bit of Antifa. A little bit of Maxime Bernier. (laughs) Just a a few concerns we have with some of the rhetoric that's been coming out about the anti-fascist movement, uh, both in Canada and across the globe right now. And because we are taking time off, and I think actually we should say, like, it's important to get time off from your paid work. But yeah, sometimes your volunteer work needs some time off, too. And so while we are away Mm -hmm. in the next month, um, please uh, promote the show with your friends. It'd be really cool if uh, if more people could get their ears plugged into into what what's been going on in this podcast. And we really do. I know, Sandy, we're not super good at this. We really do have to get people maybe to check out our Patreon uh, we, um, <laughs> I know we always forget to tell people. <laughs> we do ask for a little bit of money f- uh, to keep uh, the 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 lights on. Um, literally, actually, uh, the internet lights. And so, um, definitely check on check out our Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/SandyAndNora. And if you can throw us some bucks, we would really appreciate it. And if you can't afford it, that's totally cool too. Just throw us some feedback. <laughs> but. As you were saying, Sandy, Antifa, the new terrorist organization that Donald Trump wants to eradicate, that Maxim Bernier is like (laughs) so afraid of. What the fuck is happening in North America right now? Actually, I shouldn't even say North America because I'm not sure Mexico's got the same kind of issues. What the fuck is happening in Canada and the United States right now with the far right being so obsessed with anti-fascist organizing. 
Yeah, I, you know, so Maxime Bernier last week, or I, I don't know if it was actually Maxime Bernier or if it was members of the People's Party of Canada who tweeted out that they want to designate Antifa a terrorist group. A terrorist group. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, you know, uh, judging by the types of activity that have, like, uh, really used the idea of terror, like trying to um, terrorize people uh, in our society today uh, to, the, to the point where people uh, lose their lives and uh, have their livelihoods threatened. Um, that's not coming from Antifa. That's coming from a white supremacist right. It's coming from a misogynist right. It's it's coming from like the, the most dangerous kind of... Um, dens of the internet but it's not coming from antifa so the idea that that antifa which you know is obviously a group that is against fascism would be a terrorist group ah, it's uh it's a, it's like a special sort of uh mental gymnastics <laughs> that um that really allows people to get to that place i suppose it's very bizarre Mm -hmm. How did we get here? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, it, and, and mental gymnastics is one way of saying it. I think it's also like there must be some sort of like w brain worms at play because it is so upside down and backwards that it's really hard to properly diagnose the significance of all of this. And so that's what we're going to try to do in this episode because there's a lot of um, there's a lot of anger I think from people who are like like progressive, so the broadest sense of the word progressive, who see far-right politicians talking about anti-fascist organizing and being like that's terrorism i think that there's a lot of anger because of the cognitive dissonance <laughs> that it doesn't actually take much to know about what antifa is supposed to be and what it does and like let's be clear antifa is not really an organization right it's like it's a it's a kind of organizing no it's not that's the other very strange thing Yes, exactly. It's like saying like you're against posters or fucking flyering. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Right. It's more of a it's more of like a philosophy or a commitment and it's it's not quite an organization, but the way that it's being discussed by Bernier Trump and friends is as though it's like this really organized group that's worldwide. Yeah, yeah. Very strange. Yeah. So this kind of became a bit, uh, this hit the mainstream a couple of weeks ago in Canada because there was um, an event that the People's Party of Canada, which is fucking hard to say, by the way. So we'll just say the PP party uh, <laughs> was <love> organizing. <laughs> I know. They just hand it to you on a silver fucking platter. Yeah, they really do. Um, they're organizing it <laughs> in Guelph, Ontario. And Guelph, if you don't know Guelph, I mean, that is a, a, a town that has a really active left-wing presence i mean guelph is the kind of place that if you're going to show up and be like hi this is our neo-fascist political party that folks in guelph are going to be like okay like you know the history of communism in this city it goes really 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 far back and we're not going to fucking allow for this to happen because we're opposed to fascists okay so the pp party has um an event in guelph and did you see this uh did you see this poster sandy the poster yeah, because if you haven't seen it, you're going to love the, the explanation. No, I haven't seen the poster. Okay, so uh, anti-fascist organizers in Guelph put out a poster to say that they're going to protest the PP Party's event. Mm -hmm. And the poster has, like, 
a picture of a a knife and it's like piercing something and there's like blood on the other side of it and the okay. pee pee party yeah the pee pee party activists are like this is violence they are targeting us and i don't oh, no, I, I have seen this poster <laughs> i have and seen and i didn't say poster. what the thing is that the knife is piercing no you right? didn't yes 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 now it's all coming back to me Oh, yeah. Great. So, so the knife is not piercing like Maxime Bernier's face. It's not piercing the local candidate's arm. It's not piercing the logo of the PP party. It is piercing a swastika. A swastika. <laughs> right. Oh my goodness. And the PP party activists see this poster, uh, identify with the swastika and go, hey, they want to hurt us. <laughs> This is violence. And they call the cops. <laughs> I mean <laughs> I mean, at least they're being fully honest with who they are, right? At least yes. they're telling us exactly who they are allied with. And that is people who would use the swastika, which is just just marvelous that that's something that they would really want to associate themselves with. But here we are. Yes. Yeah. And so I th- so this this uh, narrative has emerged from Bernier being like Antifa is violent. There are violent extremists. They're terrorists and all this kind of stuff because of a poster. And and, and then so the event happens in Guelph. And the only way politicians sorry, the only way journalists can cover it is if they agree to not publish the details of where the event is happening even after the event. What? That is so strange. <laughs> yes. And so this is, this is, I think, this cuts really, really to the heart of, of where Bernier's utility really is to try and start mm-hmm. to normalize a lot of very unacceptable tactics that are anti-freedom of the press and anti-protest or anti-freedom of expression, really. So on the question, and I don't know if people struggle with this, but... Sandy, is it violent to be protested? (laughs) It depends on how the protest is happening, but generally, not so much. (laughs) Generally, not so much. It, I mean, I, you know, what are you, I think what they are um, responding to, if they are smart in, in what they're thinking, they're probably trying to attempt to not have any of the folks who are doing the activism against the racism and people who would, you know, identify with the swastika um, have any um, play in media coming off of their event, which is one of the ways that the right likes to strategize, you know, like uh, folks who are against racism will have some sort of event or press conference or whatever. People on the right will show up. Uh, be be noisy perhaps and the media will ask them for comment and they'll have like some sort of uh, big write-up or big statement in the broader news story and perhaps I mean maybe I'm giving them too much credit but perhaps that's what the PPC was trying to the PP party (laughs) was was attempting (laughs) to do uh, by shutting down the event was to to um prevent what they saw as some sort of organization uh, coming to their event and getting some sort of play off of it. I don't know. That's perhaps get, getting giving them too much credit. But 
I I can't truly believe that they were really scared <laughs> of some sort of violence. I mean, if they've if they've if they've uh, n- you know taken a look at the history, the recent history of anti-fascist organizing, um, it'd be really weird if if they were truly scared of some sort of violence going on. Well, especially in Guelph. <laughs> I mean, especially in Guelph. I mean, unless their people were planning to, you know, try to provoke it, which is typically how this type of shit happens. And I don't know, perhaps they were. Yeah. But but regardless, you know, um, I think it's important to talk about what this type of rhetoric does. Uh, the 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 strategy from uh, both Bernier and uh, Trump to try to put the idea in the broader public's mind in like a mass way that anti-fascist organizers are terrorists and deserve to be uh, hunted, monitored, uh, you know, subject to surveillance that the rest of society is not um, and uh, discussed as if, you know, this is something that we need to expel from our society. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because the impact of that can be you know, as we've seen with the way, uh, you know, governments have had that sort of uh, rhetoric towards black organizers before, towards uh, any type of brown or Muslim group before, it can have serious, serious consequences uh, for people who want to simply identify as anti-fascist and increasingly uh, anti-racist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that there's probably also another reason for why the PP party would not have wanted to publicize this information. It's because, like, this is a party that is opposed to immigration, that has promised a fence uh, along our border or along a stretch of our border. I mean, their, their border policy is a little bit completely I ridiculous. think they said, I think they said a fence across the entire border. Oh, really? I think that that was the promise. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's just like a... You know, I mean, they're not they're not going as hard as a wall, though, Nora. They're not being ridiculous. They, they just want a fence. That's true. And to to designate the entire border as an official point of entry. You, you look at this country and you're like, hmm, what should we build across it? Should it be a fence or should it be high speed rail? Fence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. But the, the, the other reason I think why the PP party doesn't want this uh, information out is because they know that. When average Canadians hear their rhetoric and see who supports it, they will respond by calling out businesses that support it or calling out or boycotting people that host their events. And so by telling a journalist you're not allowed to publicize this information, including after the event, I mean, it's a massive attack on democracy because as in a democratic society, we're supposed to understand who is funding the political parties and who supports them. And so it's like, do the rich support one political party? Is that political party going to, to benefit them in some way? I mean, we're seeing that currently with Peely Wine in, 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 uh, in Ontario getting a sweet deal from Doug Ford and the owner of Peely Wine had donated money to the Conservative Party. So we like those kinds of connections are actually really fundamental to how our democ- democratic literacy functions. But I have the quote of what... Um, Maxime Bernier said it was in an interview with uh, with the rebel and it's and it's helped to really uh, coalesce his furious horde of freaky folks towards uh, despising Antifa because so we've got this video and he posted it on Twitter on July 21st and um, and he says Antifa is not an organization that is welcome in this country communism fascism and radical Islam 
they don't share our values here as Canadians. And I mean, I think it is so critical to see like in plain, in real time, how fast Bernier is trying to transform the Canadians, the Canadian political spectrum. I mean, the guy's not that smart, but it doesn't really matter if he's smart or not, because it's very he's obviously obviously he's got people around him who are smart. What they're doing is very, very pervasive because they're trying to, first of all, confuse people into thinking fascism is communism, which I mean, we have I we're seeing that again in this in this manhunt for these two uh, these two killers in northern Manitoba right now, where journalists are just kind of lumping in fascist iconography with Soviet iconography. And so these guys were both fascist and communist sympathizers like as if communists weren't like the biggest fucking victims of stalinism but anyway that's a whole other fucking conversation <laughs> and and then and then radical islam so, you, so then you you lump in all of the racist talking points that that boys his party that boys a lot of the conservative party as well and and i'm so interested in the timing of all of this because it is right after the guelph thing where they were freaking out the antifa like scared them into shutting down their event or going silent. And now we're seeing Donald Trump saying the same thing. A lot of it's fueled by the way the American media responded to the Andy Go video. So that was the the, the right wing writer guy who got silly springed and milkshaked in um, in uh, in the United States. But we are not good in this country with with proper definitions. And I think what Bernier is is very um, adeptly exploiting is the fact that in Canada, first of all, very few mainstream voices actually would defend communism, which is a fucking disaster mm-hmm. for, 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 for progressive thought because communism, it's like, you can talk about communism and you don't have to condone what happened in under Stalin. I mean, like, <laughs> There's a lot of arguments to say that Stalinism isn't communism, and we could talk about that, but it might get a bit boring. But I mean, like even Wab Kanu, the leader of the of the Manitoba New, New Democrats, like condemned a, a, a Soviet Russian flag as if it was a hate symbol not very long ago. So I mean, like the political literacy, including on parts of the left, the the liberals are are very very bad at this, and the conservatives benefit from it. I mean, it is very confused right now, and Bernier is very very cleverly exploiting it and we're not we on the left are not doing a good enough job explaining the damage that is caused that will be caused by conflating all of these things together and of course then the public policy response which is going to be well are our anti-fascist organizers going to be then targeted by by security forces are we going to see that in the united states and we're going to see some sort of version of that in, in, in canada I think that there's no question that that is the goal, because I think uh, that the the folks who are part of Bernier's party, a part of uh, Trump's party, and the, the folks who are doing the strategizing are aware that there's a certain level of political education coming from people who would uh, deign to call themselves anti-fascist and who have like a, a philosophical understanding, perhaps, that goes runs deeper than the average person. Um, about what is happening uh, with the, this like really intense conservative right movement trying to reorganize our society. 
And that has that that sort of deeper understanding has the ability uh, to uh, help a movement grow, to do things like tie an understanding of fascism to what's happening at the border, both in Canada and the United States, to what's happening um, within incarceration and the ways that anti-Black racism permeate our society, what's happening with respect to colonialism and uh, how oil is constantly being prioritized over people, specifically indigenous people and, and land. And all of that, all of that is about money, it's about bottom lines, and it's about making sure that power as it is right now, like the most powerful people in our society, become more powerful. If it is the case that uh, anti-fascist activists are successful in tying the idea of fascism to these major political problems of our day, that could really harm the effectiveness of a right-wing party like the PP party, like the Republicans. And I, I think that for them, it's far more... Uh, you, you know, politically expedient to try to outlaw the thought, <laughs> the thought behind not wanting fascism to be a part of your society than to have the arguments in the public sphere about why it doesn't make sense to build a fucking fence across the border. Yeah. And the, we're, we're so plagued in this country by short-term memory as well short-term memory by politicians but also by journalists <laughs> and and you don't actually oh, yeah. need to go too far yep. back to to see this in a in a perspective of the of the right-wing slide for the conservatives because if we look at Maxime Bernier as being someone that's going to split the conservative party's vote a bit of a sideshow no one taken takes him seriously he'll never get past a certain percentage because the guy's a clown we will miss the most important reason for why Bernier is dangerous. So Bernier had 50% support of the of the Conservative Party for leader. 50 fucking percent. I know it's 49 point whatever the fuck and he didn't win, but it was it's effectively 50%. So there's latent support in the Conservative Party for Bernier and it's not insignificant, it is major. And and, and, and Scheer represented a different kind of conservatism than Bernier because Bernier put himself out, out as this libertarian. Every one of his policies laughs in the face of, of libertarianism. I mean, controlling borders and fucking refusing to respect people's identities if they're trans. I mean, none of that makes any sense from a libertarian perspective because libertarianism is like, fucking do whatever you want. Like, you know, don't hurt people and you're fucking fine. And actually, like, you know, battle of the fucking fittest, which is why it's so fucked up but it's not as if he's got a libertarian outlook and so what is he actually doing all he's doing is dragging the conservative party further to the right now we have had in this country a far-right political party in power and it was not that long ago in fact it was four years ago <laughs> and under Stephen Harper like my god how quickly have we forgotten that a lot of things were criminalized that you may associate, not you, Sandy, but, you know, you, average Canadian, may associate with anti-fascist tactics. And that we hear now consistently being repeated as, well, Antifa is bad because they cover their face. Which is, like, fucking really basic and boring as an argument because not everyone does and who the fuck cares. But 
you know, rewind to the Harper era, 2012-2013, what did Stephen Harper do? He criminalized tampering with critical infrastructure, which sounded like you would be uh, criminalized to an extent where you'd be jailed for, for many, 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 many years for, for, for uh, the equivalent of a, of a first-degree murder term. And, and it, it made it sound like anybody who was going to fuck with a pipeline, for example, would be thrown in jail for the maximum amount of time possible. But what was left open was, was what the definition of fucking with and the definition of critical, critical infrastructure is. And it's like, does that mean workers who are working on critical infrastructure who go on strike? Is that fucking with it or whatever? So there was a lot of like questions about what that meant. But it, 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 what, it's, its only real job was to criminalize protest, that if you shut down the 401 over a prote- to protest something, you are fucking with critical infrastructure. Or if you set a pipeline on fire or whatever, right? At the same time, he also, I don't know if you remember this, he banned wearing masks at protests. I do recall, yeah. And so this was a piece of legislation that was slipped in at the end of 2013. It was kind of off the, the tails of a similar ban that happened in Quebec during the student strike. And, and so it's like doubly illegal in Canada to wear a mask with the purpose of, it, of, of committing a crime because it was already illegal in Canada to do that. And the maximum sentence for that was 10 years in prison. While at the same time, of course, he eliminated um, uh, the maximum sentence you can have at 25 years. And now there's like this new legal regime where you can be in jail until your fucking great grandchildren are also in jail. Like, I mean, it's kind of a ridiculous <laughs> legal regime that we live under. Yes. Harper did all this, and Trudeau did fucking what? He's done what? I mean, Bill C fifty one. Oh, he rolled it all of... back. He rolled it all back. <laughs> did he? Right, because he's not. He's, you know, he's he's also anti-fascist. I don't know if you knew. That guy's never had a mask on. Oh no, never mind. Sorry, wrong wrong timeline, wrong dimension. <laughs> he's not even allowed to put a hat on. Like that guy actually has a policy against putting a hat on to mess up his hair, which is actually true. <laughs> No, no, the liberals uh, did uh, nothing to roll back anything uh, <laughs> dangerous that the conservative, the, the far right conservative government put in place in this country. Right. And so we are now hurling towards an election. Bernier is getting steam only because his party seems pretty fucking organized. I mean, hey, NDP, if all you guys did was match tweet for tweet what the PP party is putting out, I mean, you would up your social media fucking game by like, a solid 50%. That's a whole other issue. <laughs> I mean, he's just, just, just respond to him or something. I don't know. Um, but he is exploiting this moment to talk about these issues. And whether the conservatives get elected, where all of a sudden there's this popular notion that Antifa are terrorists and, and Trump makes it illegal in the United States to be identified as Antifa, and then boom, all of a sudden the conservative government were all actually fucked. Or Trudeau gets reelected and then continues to do nothing, and we just wait another four years before the conservatives come back in and make it even even worse. This is the long game of the PP party. It's to it's to mm-hmm. fundamentally influence the political rhetoric and the political frame in under which politicians are operating and he's forcing very effectively conservative politicians to respond and they will respond by going right they will not respond by going left no i don't think we're going to see very many conservative politicians actually uh, calling out what they're doing for what it is they're attempting to police people's thoughts and people's um, identification with 
the type of thought that says uh, swastikas are bad and fascism is bad and racism is bad. And if we're judging off the the poster, um, all the other things, uh, ills in society that a party like the PPC ascribes to, um, that uh, that people who are a part of the anti-fascist group in Guelph identified as wanting to be against, they are attempting to literally block your freedom of speech by saying that any sort of identification with this group, um, with this type of thought, with this refusal to allow this creeping fascism into our society to go unchecked is a terrorist action. That's pretty significant. And though it might sound ridiculous and it might seem like it's not all that big a threat, it's very clearly changing the way that we respond to what would be, uh, that we would, what we know is fascist ideology. And it's so fucked up because if you think of like what reality is telling us, I mean, there is no, there is no like real timeline that allows a, a rational person to say fascism and communism are not allowed in Canada. I mean, communism has been in Canada for fucking ever. And actually so has fascism. And like, like there have been more fascist members of provincial parliament or parliament elected than communist. I'm not sure what the balance really says in terms of how many, but like fascist parties have been involved in this country since fucking day fucking one. You could argue that the traditional parties are all influenced by fascist thought in various ways. And you can see kind of like either they respond to it or they kind of absorb it and make it nice or whatever. And you can see how communism has always worried the establishment parties in this country because communists have always been criminalized in some way in Canada, even though the ideas that people would on the street say make Canada great all come from some soft version of of left wing politics. I mean, social democracy, social democracy is what we would call the liberal party what we'd call kind of what we'd call what we have in Canada, but liberals are definitely kind of a, a kind of social Democrat. And obviously the NDP are social Democrats, but social democracy is like, is, 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 is a democratic system where, you know, you're paying your taxes and you're participating in democracy. And in return, you get social services. You have free education and free healthcare and free services that let, let you be a human. That's social democracy. And its power is to say to average people, you have it good enough. Don't look at communism because communism is bad. Whereas if you, if you actually read like communist thinking or thought or Marx or whatever, you're like, wait a minute, communism seems really fucking sweet. And then all of a sudden it's like, no, no, but you have, you have social democracy. You don't need communism. Right. So that's the, that's the interesting <laughs> tension on that, on the, on the left of the political spectrum that never, ever, ever, ever fucking enters the mainstream in this fucking country because our journalists are fucking intellectually anemic to say the, the best and on average, and because the the mainstream political parties have have so successfully rooted the political discussion in the right that mm-hmm. anything that's left of the liberals seems completely nuts. Yeah, and it that it is that condition, like that context that you just described, that allows somebody to call Antifa itself fascist at the same time as um, as suggesting that they should be banned from the country and not be laughed out of any sort of uh, of discussion or analysis about that uh, in the press. Because, of course, those two things are, like, diametrically opposed. It can't, <laughs> you can't, 
you can't say like I'm going to ban this group and then because they're fascist and and then declare yourself n- not the fascist like it, it <laughs> it's just none of none of it makes sense and uh, our inability uh, to to tease that out as a society is going to be part of the downfall and it's part of the strategy you know well, it's 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 a proper taking of the temperature as to where the left is right now and its its ability to to actually resist some of this stuff, mm-hmm. which I think might be a good way to end. I mean, so where's the NDP in all of this? Well, that's a good question. What did the NDP say in response? How did the NDP support the anti-fascist actions? Where are where are the NDP folks who have have declared themselves to be anti-fascist? This is a live podcast. I'm going to search that right now and see if Jagmeet Singh has said anything about this. Now, not maybe fair to put it all on him, but I mean, he is kind of like the leader. Kind of like the leader. (laughs) Yeah, where is the NDP on this stuff? I I have not seen anything from the NDP. I haven't seen anything from the NDP defending anti-organizing, anti-fascist tactics. I have not seen a statement from any of the NDPs saying like, wow, this is dangerous territory. What are you thinking? We need to call this out. If they are saying this stuff and we've just totally missed it, like number one, obviously you can, you can come and tell us, but. uh, Yeah, please correct us. We would love to be corrected and to tell the world about it. Yeah. Yeah. Because people need to know if that's what's happening, but I, I don't see it. I haven't seen it. No, and I think what's what's worse is if you do a search for, um, you know, Jagmeet Singh's handle and Antifa, like, obviously all you get are right-wingers basically calling him, like, things. I mean, a lot of this is actually completely nonsensical. Um, but people just saying, mm-hmm. uh, like, you're Antifa, aren't you? That kind of stuff. And you see some PP party mm-hmm. handles in this. I mean... The, the NDP has very clearly decided that the way that they're going to fight this is to completely ignore it and to not fight it. And it's clear because, one, it wouldn't take that much work to try and find anything. But two, we would know because journal, because of that intellectual anemia, journalists would actually pay attention to the NDP talking about this stuff. Uh, they, you know, they might get a hard, a hard time in the press. So it would actually be a, a bit of a difficult slog, but it would be such a necessary and important slog because there is no mainstream voices defending communism, number one, defending what communism has given to political thought or what Marx has given to political thought. I mean, this stuff is really basic and it's so easy to defend. And, you know, folks like like Sandy and I, we're not going to get invited onto the fucking national to talk about this stuff because Christ the last time I was on the fucking national to talk about bill m103 which was the liberals attempt to try and talk about to talk about um anti-islamic speech oh my god I'm not even sure I remember exactly what the issue was but it became a rallying cry for the far right there were complaint there was a complaint against me made to the ombudsman saying that I'm a far left uh, uh, uh ideologue that doesn't deserve to be on the public broadcaster so I mean they never invited me back even though the ombudsman ombuds complaint said that there was nothing founded Everybody is scared to talk about this, and the NDP cannot be. The stakes are too fucking high. Yeah. So I, I, I'm I, left with, like, I mean, despair might be too hard of a word because I don't really expect, unfortunately, too, too much of this stuff. But, like, again, if you're listening to this show and you're looking for some political ideas, like, anti-fascist organizing has got to be made popular. It has to be made so popular that average people are like, 
obviously, if the PP party enters my town and they want to have an event, I'm going to protest that event because fuck them and their ideas are repugnant to me. And I'm going to show up with a sign that says their ideas are repugnant to me. That is an open and free democracy. I've been protested before. Absolutely. Sandy, you've been protested before. It's part of it's part of, of, of democratic life. And if a democratic party is afraid of facing democratic responses from average people, guess fucking what? They are fucking fascist. <laughs> that is what it is. Ah. <laughs> it just seems so obvious. And it's just something that we can make obvious. We just have to uh, be not afraid to speak about it and to have support where we need the support, like from people who have bigger, uh, you know, more power because of who they are in society and i'm talking about you the ndp um and also just by organizing like we just you know like there's there's other things we can do get better journalists for example but (laughs) by organizing we need these things to become obvious that to be anti-fascist is an obvious thing that you should be just like you should be anti-misogynist and uh anti-capitalist oh wait is that one less obvious? I don't know. You should be anti-capitalist, too. Let's make that obvious. You should be anti-racist. Like, all the things, right? All the things. Like, let's, um, you know, make these things more obvious in our society. And by refusing to cower in fear uh, over what the folks who are organizing to literally break and change society, the PP party, are hoping that we do like to be scared and and actually there's a whole group of people that we have not mentioned but what about labor oh gosh they be? oh my god <laughs> you know what there's so much power in labor they could totally run the show they could totally run how um politics works in this country altogether i wish that one day they would wake up and understand that and make it happen <laughs> I I do too. And I think that like, you know, again, when you're looking at a situation where the loudest voices are the PP party, because they are, I like, I don't know how, what has made them so successful. If it's just that they've got a really dedicated uh, group of very angry online individuals, or if they use bots or it's the combination of the two, I'm sure that's what it really is. Well, that, but I do think that they have some significant support, you know, like they, as you say, Maxime Bernier did not do shitty in the, uh, shittily enough in the conservative leadership uh, race. And I think, you know, there, there is, as we know, like a really fucking fucked up undercurrent of people across this country who would support some of the bullshit that's coming out of that party. Yeah, no, totally. And so, and guess what? Those folks are also members of our, of, of unions, right? Those, those folks have mm-hmm. average work place positions they are dealing with average people every single day maybe even on the front lines and so labor i mean you folks have got to talk about anti-fascist organizing you have to at your conventions you have to have people speaking about this and explaining it and explaining the history of i mean fuck if if the labor movement is not the front lines of anti-fascist organizing then the labor movement should not exist period because history Mm -hmm. has shown us every single fascist country started by taking over the labor movement by by seizing offices and seizing assets and jailing and murdering leadership i mean you know you labor leaders if you're a fucking president like your job is to not have a cushy life your job is to actually be the first person who gets jailed 
when fascism is on the rise. And so someone like Jerry Dias, who's got a loud mouth and whose politics are, are you know, they're, they're good. I mean, Jerry, it's time to talk about Antifa. It's time to be an anti-fascist and come out and say, fuck Maxime Bernier. And he can come take it up with mm-hmm. us directly. I mean, this is going to cause, it calls for confrontation and I'm, and it calls for, and it calls for calling out their cowardice because that's at the end of the day, really what is driving the PPP, P, the PP party is cowardice and racism and like a whole bag of bullshit that <laughs> we should be fighting all the time. <laughs> And so I guess that's where we're going to leave y'all uh, for the for this month. There's a bag of bullshit out there and we should all fight that bag of bullshit and make it obvious that it's a bag of bullshit and stop people from interacting with the bag of bullshit. Like it's a bag of like ideas that are, you know, worth our, our significant time and worth reorganizing the way that we think about everything so that everything is on the terms of the bag of bullshit. Let's not do that. Just make it obvious that it's a bag of bullshit so that we can move on to shifting society in the way that we need to. Or we could set it on fire and leave it on the doorstep of 24 Sussex Drive. <laughs> oh, man. I know they're not living there right you now. You are Whatever. an anti-fascist terrorist. <laughs> <laughs> that is just a that is a reference joke to something else. Okay, everybody? Don't take me seriously. Mm. <laughs> Happy summer. Have a great August. See you in September.